I'm a booger. I'm a booger booger. I'm a booger. I'm a booger 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 booger. Thank you for downloading this episode of I'm a Booker Booker, a novel podcast about books and the people who write them. Cabin fever has started to set in as we spill over into the second half of the lockdown. Every day is Groundhog Day. You thought this would be the opportunity to write the great South African novel, but instead you spend hours reading COVID-19 worst-case scenarios, taking your temperature every seven minutes, and fixating on the rising number of worldwide infections. We're traveling into the heart of the lockdown to bring you I'm a Booker Booker, The Quarantine Chronicles, a short and sweet distraction from the pandemic, because what you need to do right now is relax, stay at home, and avoid the coronavirus like the plague. Author's Lockdown, T-minus six. Penny Hall is a journalist, editor, and author who grew up on a dairy farm in KwaZulu-Natal. She spent her childhood with cows and stories about Nico, the abandoned, vervet monkey that was raised by her grandmother, Alice Kirk. The monkey became an essential member of the farmyard, befriending the dogs, cats, African polecats, a daker, and in 2017, Penny penned Nico, the tale of a vervet monkey on an African farm. It's a series of the hilarious, heartwarming, and sometimes heart-wrenching adventures and misadventures that Nico and his friends get up to. Welcome, Penny. Can you please read us an extract? Thank you, Jonathan. Yes, um, I've chosen an extract, but I just want to put into context where we are because it's um, a little way into the book. So as you said, um, Nico was rescued um, as an abandoned baby. Um, at the point that I'm going to read from, he has, um, he's been introduced to, um, to many of the, um, the, the, the other animals in the farmyard, um, including a puppy that was a runt of a litter called Stompy, who was put in the box with him because um, Alice, my grandmother, wanted um, him to get comfortable with the dogs straight away. Keeping in mind that at this point, Alice didn't think that Nico would stay with her forever. Her, her approach to, to, um, to helping wild animals was to let them um, integrate, but actually not entirely uh, be comfortable so that at some point they would go back to their own troop. That was her, that was her philosophy with wild animals, but Nico stayed. So anyway, so Nico had his best friend at that point was Stompy, who was a, a mongrel puppy, and um, a Scottish terrier called Mary, and an old red setter called Smiler. Um, Alice also had a breeding pair of Borzois, which are also known as Russian wolfhounds. And these dogs were bred as hunting dogs in Russia in the 1600s. So at this point, they were still... Um, something of a danger to Nico. Um, and Alice was not sure yet exactly how the relationship would develop between the Borzois and the monkey. So this, I'm going to jump in straight away. And keeping in mind that the book is written in Alice's voice. So I've written it as if my grandmother is telling me the story. Stompy and Nico frolicked in the garden and explored the farmyard further and further afield every day. Rusky and Zana, as far as I could see, kept their distance, lurking watchfully in the shadows. Nico's quick movements and excited chatter must have been tantalizing for them. It was difficult, I expected. 
for the Bozois to see the monkey as anything other than prey that should be hunted. I kept an eye on them as I went about my business on the farm, but knew that it wouldn't always be possible to police them when around the monkey. Fortunately, Nico was, I assured myself, alert, and with the advantage of being able to jump and climb quickly, would surely be safe from the jaws of the big dogs. One day, however, I realized I'd underestimated just how sly Rusky was. Zana surprised me too. Accompanied by the gang, I'd taken a late afternoon walk to a small dam not small, far from the house to pick some arum lilies. When Smiler spotted a pair of wild ducks leisurely swimming about, he plunged into the water and swam towards them. It was an old game that he and Mary played with the birds. He'd paddle up quietly to them and she'd run circles around the pond, barking wildly. When Smiler got too close for comfort, the ducks would squawk loudly, angrily take off and land back in the water a few meters away. When they came close to dry land, Mary would storm at them from the water's edge while Smiler continued to paddle furiously towards them. The game usually went on for five to ten minutes, by which time the old setter would be too tired to swim anymore and the ducks would paddle safely away. This time, however, Nico and Stompy got in the act as well. Following Smiler's lead, Stompy plunged into the dam in high excitement and swam furiously behind the ducks. Nico decided otherwise. He paused, took in the scene unfolding before him, and realized how, how the game worked. Quick as the flick of a willy wagtail's tail, he bounded up a willow tree and scampered along a branch hanging over the water directly above the ducks. Clutching several strands of the willow's slender stems in one hand, the monkey swung low and, suspended immediately above their feathery heads, snatched at the unsuspecting ducks with the other hand as they paddled below. Detecting the swishing close above their heads, the ducks looked up and, catching sight of this unusual and unexpected new member of the hunting team, complained in renewed alarm. Squawk! 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 Distracted by the monkey, the ducks didn't realize that Stompy had swum right up to them. The mongrel opened his jaws and lunged for one of the ducks, grabbing its tail's feathers in his mouth. Shocked, the ducks both dived under the water, one dragging Stompy with it. Now it was the pup's turn to be shocked. Momentarily ducked beneath the water, the terrier splattered to the surface and looked around confused. The ducks were still beneath the water. But where? A short distance away, Smiler paddled around in circles, searching for the birds. Suddenly, I saw his eyes widen in panic and consternation. He propelled himself upwards as far out of the water as possible, legs flailing in front. <laughs> One of the ducks had accidentally risen up from directly below Smiler, connecting his belly with its head. The duck's unexpected emergence gave the old dog the fright of his life. With the ducks once again swimming on the surface of the dam, Nico was determined to snatch one of them as they glided by. Despite his precarious station on the branch, he flapped his free arm about, shouting furiously, ak, ak, ak. The ducks responded by taking flight. This time, they left the dam altogether. Ak, ak, ak. 
street Neko almost falling into the water as he launched himself at them for the final time as they flew by. It was a hilarious display of silliness, which had me howling with laughter. Eventually, knees weak from giggling, I sank onto the sandy bank alongside the dam to recover my breath and regain my composure. Smiler dragged himself out of the water. Panting heavily, he stood for a moment before he had enough strength to shake the water from his coat. Stompy, too, came ashore, followed by Mary, as she trotted towards me, complaining all the way. (laughs) Yes, I replied, wiping the last tear of laughter from my laugh. I saw everything. The ducks escaped, despite your mammoth combined efforts. A swimmer, a diver, a runner, and a flapping monkey in the tree. What a show you put on. Across the way, I spotted Nico making his way down the tree. We chatted happily as he hopped from branch to branch. As I watched Nico descend, I noticed a flash of red in the bushes directly below him. My stomach lurched. It was rusky. Neither he nor Zana were in sight when we walked to the dam. I assumed they'd remained in the farmyard. Apparently, though, Rusky had been alerted by the commotion of the duck chase, or perhaps he'd been skulking in the shadows all along. Now, with Nico distracted by recent events and separated from his friends by several meters, the big bozoi was perfectly poised to ambush the monkey as he scurried down the tree. As I watched, horrified, the dog crouched low and crept closer to the base of the tree from which Nico was about to spring. Do something, yelled my brain, quickly. But my mouth was dry. I couldn't breathe. I felt faint. I didn't move. I didn't yell. I was useless, paralyzed by the vision of Rusky's fangs sinking into the soft, gray-furred flesh of the monkey and his jaws locking tightly. Light and graceful, Nico landed on the ground. Rusky pounced. Yeah. Shall I stop there, Johnny? Yeah, wow. I don't want you to stop, but I, but I suppose you have to. <laughs> did, did you ever get to meet Nico? Um, unfortunately, I didn't. Um, Nico, um, I, was, I was actually a baby when he, he reached old age and, and, and died. So I didn't, um, if I did meet him, I don't remember it, unfortunately. He was but, 17. Um, I, um, He lived until the age of 17, yes. So he was an old man. Um, You know, if you consider that um, uh, a monkey probably lives, uh, or a small monkey like that, probably lives for around the same age as a a very old cat. But um, I grew up with with stories about Nico. I mean, for as long as I remember, he was part of of my life because um, I was very close to, to Alice. And um, I spent a lot of time with her and I asked her to tell me the story of Nico time and time again, which she very kindly did. We shared, we shared a, a love of stories and a love of animals. And um, when my son came along, I told him stories of, of Nico and he was actually the one who, um, as, 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 a, as, a, as a grown, uh, as an adult, said to me, Mom, you should really write the stories of Nico Downs. And so that's, that's what happened. Yeah. Yes. You yes. spent a lot of your journalism career writing for the Business Day. And Nico is a book yes. for 
young children ages between eight and 12. Can you tell us about the shift in writing styles? I mean, they on the opposite ends of the sort of totem pole in, in terms of... Um, yeah, yeah. You know, as, as I started, I was I was um, thinking about it the other day and I started writing um, when I was a youngster at boarding school and um, my first story was about a family of ants and um, it was a series I used to write during um, homework time, during prep. Um, I'd write a, another little small chapter and pass it around to all my friends. So I started writing about animals, I guess. Um, but um, when I uh, started working, I, I initially began in um, trade publishing, in business-to-business publishing, and that's how I became a business writer. So in a sense, I, I kind of feel like I've gone back to my roots with a uh, with children's story. It was, it was a delightful thing to do from going from writing um, about business and industry and management and what have you to, to writing about animals for children was, um, was like playing again. And it, it's like, it was like a guilty secret, you know, I'd only do it after work hours because, um, you know, it, it didn't seem like it was, um, uh, <laughs> it was work. It was just play. <laughs> so it, it, it was really, I, I feel like from that point of view, I feel like I've, um, I've gone a full circle and, and, um, rediscovered how much I, I love writing um, creatively and, and especially about animals. You've gone around the country reading to, to, to children. What has been their reaction? You know, Jonathan, that, that was a, um, um, has been one of the nicest things, if not the nicest thing about writing a children's book because, um, I mean, as you yourself know, that when you write, you put stuff out there and you sometimes never know if anyone looks at it, anyone reads it. If you know, you might have some response sometimes, but um, being able to go and, and read the book to kids and and um, see their reaction and engage with them about it, it has just it, it really for me it's it's been the most enjoyable part of 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 having written it. Um, you know, kids are are. Um, very frank. They they ask wonderful questions. Their um, their imaginations um, are haven't been um, harnessed by by too many things. So they it's, it's so that point of view has been it's been really wonderful, and I've had fantastic response to it. I mean, I really I've I've absolutely loved that. It's um, as I say initially when the publisher said that's what I'd be doing, I was like, oh okay, that's that's kind of scary, but um, absolutely love it. And I did a year of speech and drama at Rhodes, so um, I tried to remember what I'd learned then as well. (laughs) (laughs) What message do you want children to take from Nico? From Nico? Well, you know, one of the things that that Alice was very, very firm about was that, um, and I mentioned it or alluded to it earlier, is that um, it's it's not cool to have wild animals as pets. Um, So... It's important to me that um, if kids read this, they, I mean, as much as, as, and I know that from, from talking to kids, they all fantasize about having a, you know, whether it's a, whether it's a monkey or a hedgehog or a, or a African polecat or whatever, they always fantasize about how cute it would be to have. Um, But I want them to, to learn from this, that um, having an animal um, that's meant to be in the wild is a, 
privilege if if you're taking care of it but it shouldn't be something that you know that you aspire to because you want to control a wild animal and the other thing is that i i wanted to um i want to write about friendship you know friendship uh, relationships between humans and animals you know alice was very firm on the fact that um animals need love, um, adventure, shelter, and exercise, and they'll never feel threatened. They won't fight with you. They won't fight with each other. That's all that it takes. I want to convey that message and also um, show people how it's possible for for us, uh, for animals to love each other across the species, which is something that I've seen throughout my life. you know, on the farm and and especially with Alice and and her interaction with with different species of animals so I, yeah, I, that's, yeah that's my message yeah, yeah. I think uh, it was a, a message that uh, a Joe exotic from the Tiger King should have uh, should have received yes. <laughs> yeah I must say I when I watched that I thought a lot about what um, Alice would have thought if she was still alive and um, I, I think she's turning in her grave it's to just you know the the breeding of the of the cubs is yeah that that really yeah they really turn my stomach. Yeah, what is your strategy for not going crazy during this lockdown? To be frank, I'm normally a bit of a hermit. I have to admit, <laughs> <laughs> and um, because I work from home, I um, I'm okay with that. I do miss being able to get into the mountains. I miss that a lot. Um, I'm. We're very lucky to have a garden which we can move around. So we play with the dogs in the garden. I'm probably spending more time working because it's it's a distraction for me as well. So yeah, that's that's my strategy. But um, I'm I'm okay. I'm very mindful of the fact of how lucky I am to to be set up to continue really as as normal. Although a lot of my commercial work has gone away. So, you know, there's definitely going to be an impact in that regard. But I'm very mindful of the fact that I have it pretty good and and, um, not everyone is as fortunate. What lessons has being in the lockdown taught you? Um, It's taught me to appreciate uh, freedom and also, I mean, as I said now, appreciate what I have and also to, you know, maybe just... um, think a little bit beyond myself and think, wow, um, others don't have it as easily and, and, um, and, and think about what one can do to, to help those people. And um, also uh, recognize that one doesn't need as much as one thinks one does. You know, when, when, you, when you're um, forced to think, well, okay, hang on, um, I don't need I don't need to go out. I don't need to go and buy stuff. I can make do with what I have. You know, there's um, there are things in the garden that I can use. There's um, so yeah, I'm kind of learned to to appreciate what you have, I guess. And now the sound effects, Rorschach test. That's interesting. That reminds me of. Um, Speaking to my husband, he was traveling on his motorbike through South America um, many years ago, or actually not that many, a few years ago. But whenever I'd speak to him, I'd hear birds, or often when I spoke to him, I'd hear birds chirping in the background like it. And I'd say to him, what birds can you see? And he'd go, birds, birds? (laughs) Oh, yes, there are some birds. (laughs) I just realized how how, um, 
we're all so different that, you know, for me, that would be the thing that I would be looking for. But he was like, oh, yes, yes, that's interesting. There they are. But I had to prompt him. So that's what that reminded me of. <laughs> that's, that's the sound of, um, of my dog, Lily, at the gate um, in the late afternoon when a neighbor, I'm not sure who it is, we haven't checked on it, is obviously still walking their dogs. And um, I think that's Lily saying, Yay, Machni, Fifi. Bena, Bena. Yeah, that's that's when we're um, that's when the lockdown is over and um, we're able to uh, head off to the Baxter and uh, be entertained um, amongst um, hundreds of others. Okay, and the last one. <laughs> you know, I was in I was in KwaZulu Natal um, about a month ago, and um, I went for a run with my brother. My one brother lives in Hillcrest, and. Um, there, there, there's several uh, troops of vervet monkeys around there, and um, he was getting very annoyed with me because every time we'd pass one, I'd have to stop and and look at them because obviously he's used to them. And I'm like, hey, look, I wonder if that one's related to Nico. And that one over there must have been about the size that Nico was when he blah blah blah. So that sounded like a little troop of monkeys. And Penny, um, can people get your book uh, sort of as an ebook? while they're waiting in the lockdown? Um, it, it, um, it's unfortunately not available at the moment. If they want to contact me and um, I'm easy to find um, online, I can, I can help out there. What's happened, uh, Jonathan, is that um, it's out of print and um, it, we're actually looking, um, we're looking for a new international publisher. So um, they'd have to contact me direct and I'll see what I can do. It's P for Penny, M for Mary, and then Hall, H-A-W, at mweb.co.za. Thank you, Penny. Thanks very much. I, I, I look forward to meeting Nico one of these days in your book. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> okay, listen, have a lucky weekend. And we'll chat too. again. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Bye, you Bye. too. Bye, Jonathan. Cheers. Thank you for listening to I'm a Booker Booker, The Quarantine Chronicles, live from the lockdown. You can subscribe to I'm a Booker Booker on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a Booker Booker is produced by Jonathan Anser and Dan Dews and brought to you by Books Live in collaboration with Multimedia Live. Authors who would like to be featured, email jonathan.anser at gmail.com. I'm a Booker Booker. I'm a Booker. I'm a booker.